know there's probably something that, that you've said or, or has been said to you multiple times in your life. Maybe, you know, you heard it from your parents or as parents you've told your kids, you know, definitely friend to friend and, and most definitely like a coach to his team. There's, there's just this, this, this phrase that, that has been said. And I know, you've, I know you've said it and are you going to be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Once I say it, it's don't give up. Don't give up. And we've been, we've been digging into the parables of, of Jesus Christ this, the, this past few weeks. It's been so good, just, just pu- pulling past and going deeper than, than just the surface of what he was saying. And, and Pastor Ross, actually, when he kicked off this, this series, he asked a question. He posed a question. He said, what are you going to do with Jesus? And so what are you going to do with Jesus today? And we've been asking that question. It's kind of been the action item that we've been asking you to take and partake in as you go throughout your life, as you go to work, as you go, whether you meet on Zoom, as you interact with your families, whatever you're doing, just what are you going to do with Jesus in those moments? How does he come through? How do you, how do you enact what he is and who he is in you in those situations, those moments? Have, have you had a moment where maybe, maybe you, you were looking, you, you were attentive, and the Spirit of God just moved in you a little bit, and maybe you shared your testimony? Maybe you've had that moment moment or 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 maybe you you felt that moment but you you shied back a little bit you really were were unsure now if you did man that's great if you didn't that's okay you're alive we we can we can try again (laughs) you're you're here you have you have another opportunity so I ask you hey what are you going to do with Jesus today because there's something that he wants to do he's just poured into us he's just filled us up he just filled our cup now now he's asking us come on let's let's pour that out to people amen so Jesus, he used these parables to, uh, through, uh, throughout his ministry. So we're going we're gonna to jump right in this morning. We're going we're gonna to unpack a little bit of the parable of, of the persistent woman, right? I'm, I'm, we're going to leave it alone. That, that's, that's way too easy. Okay, Luke 18. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Come on, we're joking. Come on, we just came out of the spirit of God. There's joy. In the, there's joy in the Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, listen, I've been married, married for more than, than 20 years, and so I know the importance of, of, of a woman in my life. Hey, all right, here we go. Oh, restored. Oh, here we go. I'll listen to you again. Now I'll listen to you, Pastor. All right. Luke 18, let's go. Luke 18, the Bible says, uh, starting in verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. All right, pretty self-explanatory. Again, he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea. She kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he, re- he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I, I don't fear God or, or care what people think, wow. Um, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen, I'm almost, actually, I'm going to stop there. That's, that's where, that's where he, sto- he stopped his parable. And he, he, he changes here a little bit. So we're going to back up. So let's just say, Lord, Father, we thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence that's in this room. Thank you for the presence that dwells in us, Lord. As we, as we embark in, on your word, Lord, would you use it to mold us and shape us. Lord, let it convict our hearts, Lord, so that we can live a life that is pleasing unto you. And you believe that, say amen. amen. So we see early in, the, in this parable that Jesus is talking to his disciples. 
And, and he's teaching them, right, pray and don't give up. Ah, there it is. Don't give up. And this is, this is not a new concept in the Bible. It's, it's throughout scriptures, right? Start praying and never stop. That's a, it's a theme throughout the Bible, right? Luke 11, 9 and 10 says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Acts 1, 14 says this. It says, they all join together constantly in prayer. We have an opportunity to do that in, in, in August. We join together and be in prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Ephesians 6, 8 to 20, again, emphasizes the, 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 the importance of prayer and speaking his truth and speaking his word, praying that God would give you the, the unction, give you the words, give you the boldness to step out in faith. And trust me, he will. This is an easy one to remember. If you, don't, if you want to remember a scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, what does it say? Pray continually. I'm going to put that one in your pocket. Somebody ever ask you what your favorite verse is? Charles Spurgeon, he says this, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It's far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. That's what prayer is. Corey Tinboom, she says it this way. She says, if, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Oh, come on now. Ooh, so I'm, I'm, come on, let's go. Y'all are with me today. Ooh, I love it. As we, as we go throughout this, this parable, the Bible says in verse 2, it says, In a certain town there was a, a judge, right? Jesus is introducing the characters in this parable. And he gives us a little bit of a description of the attitude of, of this judge. He says he, ne he neither fears God nor he cared what people thought about him. In the very next verse, he introduces another character, the widow. Obviously, she's a widow. She's alone. She no longer has her husband. He's no longer there. And so she's the one that keeps coming. She has to do it for herself. And she keeps pleading with him, grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary, her adversary. And it's interesting, the word here in the Greek text is, is antidikos. And it's, it essentially means an opponent, like, like in a lawsuit, especially Satan. Like as, as Satan as the arch enemy, as the adversary. Gives us this context to what her adversary is. This, this opponent that, that is coming after her, that is trying to take everything that she has. And that's what's leading her to, to, come, to come and plead to this judge every day. Every day she's coming. And interestingly, this, this word adversary is actually the same word that Jesus uses in Luke 12. When he, when he talks about, in, in 58, he says, and as, you're go, as you are going with your adversary then, uh, to the judge, to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way. Because he says here, because your adversary, he, he's going to drag you off to the judge. And the judge is going to turn you over to the officer, and the officer is going to throw you into prison. It's just given this, this, this contrast of, of this position and this privilege the, 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 the divide 
between a judge who has power and has authority and has influence and this widow who is without a husband and she's just pleading for everything that she has. She's being attacked and everything is being taken from her. We can, we can derive that from, the, from, from scripture because of the way she's coming every day. She's fighting for dear life here. We see that, that, that dichotomy, that, 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 that's the spectrum, how wide it is. And again, Jesus is just continuously establishing the, the upside-down kingdom of God. Uh, establishing that, that right, we, we see and we know that, that the first will be last and the last will be first. And we, we, we know scripture where he says that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is, is the servant of all. And it's the example that Jesus came to embody, the example that Jesus came to leave for us. And Jesus in, in these parables, always trying to, to, to orient, orient the hearts of, of men and women to, to align with, with what it really meant to be God's people. What it really means to be called a follower of Christ. And, and him, him being the, the fulfillment of the law. He didn't, he didn't abolish the law, he fulfilled the law. And because he fulfilled the law, it became null and void. It was done. It was sealed. And he became and he established the new covenant. Jesus is pointing out this, this injustice, this, this imbalance of, of their current state. Judges, were, they, they, were, they were positioned to, to search out for the truth. They, they were there to, to bring justice, to, to protect people. And to have these people that they were taking advantage of. It. And Jesus is pointing out this culture that has gotten so upside down. There's this culture that, that, is, that the divide has done nothing but, but grown wide, wider and wider and gone further and further apart. You can't even count on a judge to be fair. And this description of, of Jesus, he, he calls this judge, he says this judge neither feared man. Okay, yeah, yeah we get that, all right. I ain't afraid of nobody. I'm just kidding. But, but for, him to say, for him to say that he neither feared man nor God. The, just, just think about the, the, that statement to a culture where God was at the center of everything they did. He, he was at the epicenter. He was the reason why. And for a judge to say, I don't even care about God. Wait, What? Pointing out, uncovering the injustices that were, that were happening here. He said, he said this is society. God was the centerpiece. Granted and elevated, disconnected from most people. Looking down on them, this, this, this pompous attitude. It's kind of like... Like this, this separation, like, like, like you, you, you don't use this kind of stuff. You, we, don't, we, don't, we don't touch that. We, I'm, I'm, I'm higher than that. Like, it's almost, like, you know, almost like, like your fine china that you have at the house. You, you know, some of y'all got their fine china that's in the china cabinet. And, they, and, and you, don't, you don't ever hardly use it, right? It's, it, it's way too nice for Taco Tuesday. Way too, yeah, you better get them, them paper plates. Because I'm not trying to wash dishes. <laughs> It's just, it's, just, it's just there to be admired. It's, it's adorned. It's behind a, a glass case. And you probably got little lights on it and everything. One of them is probably out because your husband ain't fixed it yet. You may, not, yeah, you may not even remember when the last time you used it was. 
I, I, I possibly just described maybe some of your outlook on what Christianity is. Because you, you bring it out on Sunday. And then you, and then you put it up throughout the week. I, I, come, I come to get my fill, Lord. Give, give me enough for all week, Lord. I live that life. That's why I say that. I, I understand what that is. Sometimes we wonder why the things happen, why, why we struggle and why we go through turmoil and why we go through all these things. But we get disconnected from the source. We get disconnected from the power. We get dis- disconnected from who Christ calls us to be, from who we want, what, he, what he wants to be in us. <laughs> we, 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 shun, we, 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 we declare ourselves an enemy of the world and an enemy of Satan and then we don't even, we, then we just freely go to the other side and get beat up and then we wonder why. Verse 4 says this, he says, for some time he refused but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. His judge is so concerned for himself, he's so selfish, he didn't care what, he didn't even care what pleases God. He ain't worried about none of that. And what's, what's interesting is, is the, how, how the judicial system was established, what a, what a judge was called to be, and how he was called to be integral. And we can, we can find that in 2 Corinthians 19. To just go there with me, check this out. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, and he was the one who, appoints, who appointed these judges. It's there, it's there, maybe there in your title. And he went out among the people from Beersheba, and, and to the hill country of Ephraim and turned them back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. He appointed judges, here it goes, in the land, in each of the fortified cities of Judah. And this is what he told them. This was the charge that he gave to these judges. Consider carefully what you do, because you are not judging for mere mortals, but for the Lord, who is with you whenever you give a verdict. Now let the fear of the Lord be on you. Judge carefully, for with, for with the Lord our God there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. This, this, passage, this passage would be to, to these Jewish judges of this time like, like the bar is for lawyers. It, it, it's just known. It's just understood. It, it's what was, what was spoken over them, maybe prayed over them as they, as they took this position. But the corruption... The corruption wasn't, wasn't just this, this one. This wasn't just a one-off. This, this, this was actually happening just throughout the, the judicial system in this time. The, the, these judges were corrupt to the core. They were evil. They were wicked. They were vile. Hey, they were men that used their position for benefit. In, in some of my studies, I, I saw that, that, even, that, that they would use it for the benefit even just for a meal. That's, that's how great the divide, that's how, that's how deep the selfishness had ran. I'm willing to give some injustice so I can get fed right. That's what was happening. You start to get this picture of this woman and how she was being oppressed and how she was being shunned and how she was, she was fighting. This was the adversary that she was fighting against. And Jesus in verse 5, he continues, he said, yet... Because this widow keeps bothering me, this, this is the judge now, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't, even, she won't eventually come and attack me. Interesting. That, that, that this judge sees her so resolute and, and, and so relentless that he feels like, man, she's going to come and attack me because she's desperate. 
She's having everything taken from her. She's at the end of her rope. Interesting that he, he fears this attack. The, the, the message version, it gives us a little bit of insight to... I don't know how to respond to that. Sorry about that. Yeah. Not even Siri knows. I'm going to pray for her in a little bit. Don't even worry about it. She'll get it. <laughs> the message version, the message version gives us a little bit of insight to this word. Hopopiazo is what the, is what the Greek term is. Luke 18.5 says this in the message. But because the widow won't quit badgering me, I'd be better, it, it better, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten, black, and blue by her pounding. This is what this is what that this is what that word means. This 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 hapu piazzo it means to hit under the eye. Like like to disable an antagonist. Like it, it, it's a boxing term. Like I I better do something before this lady beats me up. She gonna come and get me. Because you notice, you notice in the scripture that it didn't say he feared women. He said he didn't fear men. It didn't say he didn't fear women. I'm just saying. I just got that one. Lord, you just gave that one to me, praise God. <laughs> and, and this same word, the same word is what Paul uses in 1 Corinthians in 9.27 where he says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. I beat it, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This beating, this, this hard work, this, this, this sacrifice. It's what, he, it's, what, it's what he's talking about here. And, that, and, and that's, the, that's the end. That's where, people, that's where Jesus ends his parable, right? And, it, and if, if we, we go back to verse 1, right, we, we, we kind of get a little bit of his intention, but not really. So, so if we go back to verse 1, we, we can see that. And maybe in, in your, your Bible, it may say something like then or now or also or and, which, which gives a little bit of, a, of understanding that, that this is a continuation of a conversation. This, this, just wasn't, this wasn't just the beginning. It gives, it gives us a little bit of insight. And we actually have to go back to chapter 17, verse 22. We get a little bit more understanding of, of how Jesus got to this, this parable. The Bible says in, in Luke 17, 22, he said, Then he said to his disciples, and we knew that. He was talking to his disciples. So this, this confirms he's talking to his disciples. The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. So he's talking about, he's describing the, the second coming. Because he goes on to say, this day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky. Everybody's going to see it. It's going to be across the, the skyline. Maybe Not everybody will understand it, but everybody will see it. He says, first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. He compares it to the times and the days of Noah and of Lot, that people will be working, people will be eating and drinking and feasting at weddings, and, and people will be uh, selling and planting and doing all these things. And, and just like in the time of Noah, the, the flood will come, and in the time of Lot, sulfur will come down from heaven and destroy them all. In verse 30, he goes on to say, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, 
Don't worry about possessions, what Jesus says. No, no, no one working should, should go back for anything. He goes on in 33 to say, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life, it will preserve it. And he talks about this division that will happen where, where two will be together or two will be together in, in, at home and, or two will be working in the field and one will be taken and the other will be left. In both those scenarios, this division that, that, that's going to happen between families and between co-workers, Jesus is already talking about these things. He's given us a little bit of this insight. And, and how he has come, again, to fulfill the law and establish this new covenant. But when he comes back in the second coming, he's, he's going to come as a judge. He's going to come as the lion. And now we, can, we, we get a little bit more depth to, to this parable. We, we, we see a little bit more of, of Jesus. What, what, is he, what is he saying about this, this division, this dichotomy between a judge and this widow? We, we see that Jesus, he's, he's sitting here, he's, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking about his second coming. He's, he's talking about, the, about how he's trying to unite these things. He's trying to flip this thing upside down. And, and he's saying, hey, don't stop praying. Hey, continue. You got you to pray through these things. You got to stay connected. And, and, and the reality of it, it's not, just, it's not just don't stop praying, but it's pray and believe even in the tension of the day. Believe even in the tension that you feel, even in the tension that you walk into at work or at your family or, or, or wherever you go, believe in that tension that God is able and he is working. The Lord understood this tension that we were living, that we are living in. He understood it. He understood the turmoil that we would face. He foresaw the, the devastation of the, the establishment of his truth in the world. He knew men would fail and, bring, and draw a negative connotation to the church. He understood and he knew that truth would be a point of controversy. That, that, that truth would be, would be a point where you, you get labeled you get pushed aside. You, you, get called, you get called a bigot. You get called single-minded. You get called all these things because you stand for truth. He understood that. He knew that in this world you would have trouble. That sounds familiar. This, this word, philipsis, is, is what it means is literally pressure or, or, or figuratively to be afflicted to be in anguish, to be burdened, to, be, to feel persecution, tribulation, trouble. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You are going to have this as you stand up for the kingdom of God. Right. He knows. He understands how you feel when, when you pray and you feel like you have unanswered prayers. He understands and he sees the slander that you may have endured, that you are enduring. He sees that you, you've gotten overlooked. You've gotten passed up on. You've gotten pushed aside. He sees that. He sees all of that. Just like he sees the injustice of this widow. So he recognizes this thing. It doesn't, it doesn't fall to a blind eye. And he says, I've told you these things. I, I'm telling you this so that in me you will have peace. Say, in me 
in Jesus, we will have peace. The problem is when, is when, when we get that backwards and, and we're looking for peace in other things other than Jesus Christ, other than the truth of his word, other than time spent in the presence of God. Because he tells us to take heart because he has already overcome the world. He is our peace. He is the peace that we so long for. If you believe in me, you continue to have a heart posture toward him in prayer. And, and this is the truth. Prayer changes things. It does. Your prayers are effective. But sometimes, more importantly, prayer changes you. Prayer changes things, but sometimes more importantly, prayer changes you. So now with this, this, this larger understanding, a little, a little bit more context as we, as we think about this, the, the, the parable of, of the, the persistent widow, we, we see that Jesus, he gives us this parable, but, but he's not done yet. He, he asks a few questions. Let's, let's, let's go to it in verses 6 and 7 in Luke 18. And the, the Bible says, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Listen, listen to what the unjust judge said. All right, he said, man, I better just give this lady some justice before she beats me up. I'm tired of hearing her. And Jesus says this, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Church, if, if this unjust judge can render a just verdict, how much more than a loving father? How much more a loving father render us justice? The problem is we want justice now. The problem is we say, no, 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 Lord, do it right now. I want to see you smite this woman. I want to see you smite this man. I want to see you take care of the business right now because that's going to make me feel good. And the Lord says, it's mine. It's mine. Let me do it. No, 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 Lord. I need you to answer this. You don't understand the dire situation that, I am, that I'm in. You don't understand what I've endured. You don't understand the hurt. You don't understand the hurt that I'm having to walk through, Lord. And the Lord says, I know all about it. It has not escaped. Any, any part of it has not escaped a moment. Not a moment has escaped it. He sees it all. He said, he said, my peace. Where do we find peace? In him. Not in the outcome of a situation. The peace is found in him. And so, so whether he does it in our lifetime or, he, or not, we find the peace in him. See, the Lord is so good that he doesn't wait till he, the outcome is, is done and finished and you see it to give you peace. He gives you the opportunity to have peace in the midst of the turmoil. You see that? In the midst of what's going on, in the midst of, of the adversary coming against you, God is saying, I see you. You don't have to be the widow that's struggling. I'm with you. I'm giving you peace now. That's what, he, that's what he's saying. And he finishes with this. He says in verse 8, I tell you. Come on, guys. He will see that they get justice. Speaking, this Jesus is speaking about the Father. And quickly, however... However, a little change there, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, he's talking about when he's coming back, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes again, comes again how will he find you? In what posture, what position, in whose peace will he find you? 
seeking your own or established in the peace that is, that is available. Earnestly seeking his ways, surrendering all that we are, all that I have, all of my talent, all of my ability, even my fault and even my failures and even my struggles and even my hard-headedness and even my selfishness, constantly surrendering those things to the king, constantly surrendering those things to him so that he would be glorified in our lives, working towards establishing his kingdom. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. And church, this is who Jesus is calling us to be. There's a couple things that, that we have to strive for on a daily basis. We have to strive to be intentional every day. Every day that we wake up, there are opportunities for us. We have to take time and start our days and get, get a moment where you take time and you sit in his presence. You pray and you meditate for direction, for direction for the day, for the direction in the tensions that you are experiencing in your life right now. And if you're not experiencing any tensions for the tensions that are to come when you stand, the tensions that are to come when you, when you declare truth, when you say, um, I don't necessarily believe that way. I believe what, what the Bible says about this. The next thing is we got to strive to be humble in every situation. Humble that... Humble in, in the fact that we know, God, you're in control. And God, you are working on things that I cannot see. God, you, you, are, you are beyond my strength. You are beyond my abilities. You are greater and stronger and smarter. And all those attributes, those are all yours. So I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to choose to have peace in you in the midst of everything happening around me. There is a real tension that we live in today. It is real. Some of you can attest to it. Some, we can't allow those tensions to drive our hearts away from who God is calling us to be, away from the faith that God calls us to live. How do, you, how do we balance those tensions in your life that are, that are real? How do, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you, how do you figure out those things, of, you know, the desires in your heart for more and to, and to be better and the justification of those things? Like, man, I'm doing this so, so that my family can have more, but, but God is calling me to do this other thing. How, how, do you, how do you balance that thing? You balance that thing through prayer. But not just prayer on your own, prayer with people. Pray, pray, prayer with a, a group of people helping you. 